thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Guys, really excited for this, for this series because God is doing new things in our lives. And I think as I approach 2019, I recognize that God has some fresh things. Not only do we need it, um, he actually has them waiting for us. And God is waiting for us to access his promises and the growth in our own lives and how areas we need to start fresh and new because we've already looked at what it means to be setting goals in our life and how to pursue that and how to move forward with the Lord. And, and we've already looked at um, how to become spiritually healthy. And this is a series on becoming healthy. And today I want to talk to you about becoming physically healthy. And I'm not going to give you a workout plan and an eating plan. Because when I looked at this, when I looked into this, I realized that there was actually a, a, a hindrance to physical health. A very, very significant one. And I found that there is one thing that affects our health greater than anything else in our lives. And all of us in this room have dealt with it, and it's affected your health, and it has affected your life. And the culprit is this. All the studies will show this. The culprit to our, a lot of our physical issues and problems is this word called stress. Anyone ever had stress? <laughs> In our, in our today, in our life, there are lots of things that cause stress, lots of things and people who cause stress. But some of them, one is the pace of our life. It's very fast. Every year or, or five years, it becomes quicker and faster, a greater demand on your time, your life, and you got to move quicker. The loss of privacy that we feel, it creates stress because, listen, 20 years ago, you weren't worried about somebody ripping off your identity. Now you got to worry about all this stuff. It's just part of the loss of our privacy that people know everywhere you are. They know what you listen to. They know what you buy. Then all of a sudden you get, you, you say something to somebody else and then it shows up on your phone that you, you're like, how in the world did that happen? You just feel like you're, you have a loss of privacy. Also, another reason for stress is what's called option anxiety, meaning the amount of choices that we have today actually cause stress because we have to make decisions more today than we ever did before. Another one is worry about people, all of us who worry about things, what, what are going to be. There's a lot more to worry today than there was 10 years ago. It just is. Conflict. In our world, conflict is rampant. It's just, it's crazy. Conflict is, is everywhere. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I've recognized the world that I've seen over my last, I'm, I'm 40 years old, um, what can I can remember? I think our world is becoming more rude every year. It's just weird. I'm like, listen, didn't your mama ever teach you any better? And the, and the rudeness of people, it's like our world is losing its civility and, and that's difficult because that creates conflict. You can't have an opinion without someone challenging you at some point and somewhere, and that produces stress. Then there's the fear of the future, the what ifs. 
And you're always worried about what if and what if this and well, what if this. And I, I see that and if I see that, does that mean this and what if this. And all of a sudden your mind goes crazy because ultimately the, the root of all of it is, is, is some of us, not all of us, most of us deal with an issue of control. We want to control everything. We want to know everything. And if we can't control it, then we start, fear hits us. And all of a sudden it's the fear of the future, the what ifs. And I'm going to share with you some effects of stress on our lives. And, uh, and these are some actual um, medical report of stress. On effect. It affects our nervous system. It affects our um, muscle skeleton system. It affects our respiratory system, our cardiovascular system, our adrenal gland system, which is about our, controlling our hormones, our digestive system, and the reproductive system. So it really doesn't affect too much. <laughs> it's like... Um, everything. In a study I was reading that says this, it's hard to think of any, dis- any disease in which stress cannot play an aggravated role or any part of the body that is not affected. So this is what I believe God wants to help us today. He wants us to help us overcome stress in our lives. Through a biblical model, a biblical way, all of us want to be healthier. All of us want to live longer. All of us want to be less stressed out, I guarantee it. And, uh, and, and really, the, the effects on our health isn't always about what you eat, though that does have an effect. But really, what makes us very unhealthy is what's eating you. That's really what's doing all of us in. And so today, my desire is that Jesus meets you. The good shepherd meets you and gives peace to you. And in the middle of all of our stress, he can touch our heart. He can wrap his arms around us. He can give a a sense of confidence and security that we haven't had maybe in a long time. That we could walk that out this year and walk in a place of peace and of rest. And so I'm going to just look at some of these keys on how to overcome stress from one of the most well-known psalms in all of the Bible, and that is Psalm 23. One of, one of my favorites, the first one, I, first scripture I learned, actually, I memorized it as a kid, and I would, I would read it with my mom. Every night, we would read it together, and, and it just became solidified in me. But this is what the Word of God says about us, and we'll, we'll pull some keys out of here. And David writes this. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. And my cup runs over surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How do we overcome stress? And what do we learn from this passage today? The first one is this, is we need to trust God to meet our needs. Trust God to meet your needs. All of us live in the pressures of provision and providing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's part of our responsibility. But ultimately, when push comes to shove, shove, it is God, the Savior of our lives. He is the one who provides for us. He's the one that gave you your job. He's the one that provided breath in your lungs to be able to do your job. He's the one that gave you your intellect, your mind. It all belongs to him. God is the one who meets our needs. He knows everything you need. 
And he says, the scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. David didn't say, listen, the Lord's my shepherd and I've got this and I've got a car and I've got, I've got a membership to this and man, I've, I get to go out these, this many times and I wear these type of clothes and, and therefore I have all I need. No, no, no. David said this, God, because I have you, everything else doesn't matter. You are all that I need. I shall not want. That's the first thing that David says that we need to do, to trust God to meet all of our needs. This is very difficult. We can trust God in some areas, and in some areas we're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, i got to take control of that. But if we were to say, God, I trust you to meet my needs, it calms me down. It calms me down. God, you're all that I need. There was a season in our life when we were financially really just thin, very, very thin. And the Lord had us in a season. Remember, I was crying out to God, God, I need a breakthrough. God, we need this. And God, like I was just crying out to him. And and, and the Lord just, just, he just quieted me. And he said this, Jason, am I enough? Well, yeah, you are. But I need this and I need that. I'm freaking out about this. Jason, am I enough? Am I all you need. And what God was doing was challenging where I put my trust in my life. And when, I, when you can walk into the reality, God, you are all I need, it, can, it calms you down. Because I'm going to trust in God and therefore he's going to take care of this. This one change in your life, to actually stop looking to other things that meet your needs and only look to God, it can change your life. If we, if we were to stop looking to our husbands or our wives to meet our needs, what happens is, is we put expectations on people in our life to meet all of our needs. And so the expectations we placed on them are expectations that they can't fulfill because they're not God. And so we live disappointed with people all the time. Disappointed in my husband, disappointed in my wife, disappointed in my kids, disappointed in my leadership, disappointed. And we're always all the time, but we place them in a place where you're supposed to meet my needs. And God's like over here saying, actually, I am. And it can lower our stress level if you begin to put God at the center of our lives and your stress will go down dramatically. A lot of times we can put security, and, and I understand, in our job. But what happens is we can lose our job. We put security in our marriage, and then your spouse passes away. Or you go through the tragedy of divorce, and then you say, who am I? What's my identity? Or we can put our security in money. We all know there are plenty of ways to lose money. For all of us today, the truth is this, that we have a shepherd that wants to be our security. That we need to put our trust in something that can never be taken from us. You can lose your job, you can lose your health, you can lose your reputation, you can lose your spouse, you can lose your mind, but your relationship with Jesus Christ can never be taken away from you. It can never be taken. You look to God, we look to God to meet all of you. The Lord is my shepherd. It's all I need. That's all I need to know. But this is the beauty of the shepherd that we have. That's why Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter 8, God says this, or speaking of God, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The logic here, besides, it's, 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 it's obvious. If God loved you enough to send Jesus to die on the cross, don't you think he loves you enough to take care of every other need in your life? 
So I believe the Lord's encouraging us this year to stop looking to other people to meet your needs. Because let me, let me prophesy to you today. I'm going to say something that will come true. People will disappoint, disappoint you in 2019. I, I'm telling you, they will. There is no one, no one who can meet all your emotional needs. No one. There's no one who can meet all your physical needs. No one. No one who can meet your mental needs, your spiritual needs. No one. So David says, I'm not going to look to other people to meet all my needs. God, I'm going to look to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And I want you to listen to what your shepherd says to you today. This is, this is Jesus speaking and he's talking. This is, this is Jesus saying this out of Matthew chapter 6. He says this, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not soar, sorry, sow or reap or stow, store away in barns and yet your heavenly father still feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than a bird? Think about it. Jesus didn't die for the birds, but he died for you. That shows you your value. Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, and we will all say, no, we cannot. Tried, doesn't work. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even one not even Solomon, and all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. In other words, there's a faith element here in believing that Jesus and God actually want to do this. You have little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, in other words, those who are worshiping false gods, aren't even real, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you already need them. So this is the instruction. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This, this whole line, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. For us in 2019, this whole idea is that healthy things grow. Unhealthy things do not. And so if we, will, if we will make a determination that we're going to align our, our belief system, align our, what are the, the foundations of our theology to the truth of God, here's the reality. We're going to become healthy, and as we become healthy, we're going to be able to reap the benefits of what God has for us. So that is a great way of overcoming stress is acknowledging God, you are all that I need. He's my provider. Number two, this is a big one for some of you, is you need to get some rest. And this is why David writes in here, he says, he, meaning of God, makes me lie down in green pastures. Has God ever made you lie down? <laughs> and you realize, oh God, what are you doing to me? And he's like, I'm trying to get you to rest. And we start rebuking everything and, and God's like, you, you stinker, like you, you get up and he shoves his back down. It's like a, a little toddler, you know, and lot, try to lay him down for bed and they put their head down. They lift, they lift their head up, start bobbing around, then you rub their heads and they put their head back down. 
Then you lift it up and you rub their heads again. And you're like, come on, but I want you to lay down and go to sleep. And that's what God's doing. He's positioning us because he wants us to rest. Rest is a big deal. And here, here's, here's the deal. God created you with the need for sleep. Isn't that interesting? When I was younger, I, I remember I told one of, my, uh, one of my friends, I said, man, I wish I didn't need to get sleep. Because it was like, it's really inconvenient for me. Now I'm like, oh, I love my sleep. <laughs> but God created you to get sleep. If, if God didn't want you to get to have sleep or to rest, he would not have created you with this, with this need to get sleep. Did you know this? You're going to spend one-third of your life sleeping. That's a long time. And just think about it. I mean, we live on this earth, 60, 80, 100 years old, whatever it may be, whatever God allows. But you would think that if that's like a short span in eternity, you would think that he would allow us to be active 100% of that short little blip on the scale of eternity. Why would, he, why would he put in our lives the need for sleep if it was a waste of time? Because it's not a waste of time. God created it. God designed it. God created the whole universe. And then on the seventh day, he rested. Why? Because he was exhausted? You ever thought about that? God wasn't tired. He wasn't like, whew, i got to give me some rest. He's God. He doesn't get tired. What he, he was modeling to us the need for rest. He was saying this is important. It's so important that I even do it. The God of the universe. I rest. Later, Jesus said this. He said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God created this idea to take some time, take a day off during the week and get some rest. He's like, that's my idea. I created you for that. Don't feel guilty. Get some rest. It's so you don't burn out. Because most of us are on, the, on a course to burning out if we don't make some changes. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, we're all on the course to burnout. And the Lord says, I want you to get some rest. I want you to relax. And he, here's, here's encouragement to you. In our modern society, on, what is that day of rest for you? Here's the deal. Most of us, on the day of rest, we take a day of rest so we can actually work and get things done. That's what we do. What, what would it mean to have a day of rest? Exodus 34 says this, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and the harvest, you must rest. In other words, even, even when it's, you, you can't afford to rest, he says, I want you to rest. This is God's instructions for rest. Now later in Colossians, Paul talks about how don't let anyone criticize you because you don't take the Sabbath on a certain day. He says, don't let anyone criticize you. But the, the principle of Sabbath still remains. Find a day during the week that you can rest. And here's the deal. Don't get on social media. Don't get on any news channels. This is my challenge to you. If you need your phone, use your phone. My challenge to you, don't allow anything that can create or distract you or, or, or stir up some stress in your life. Take a day and rest. And here's the beauty about, about resting. It's an act of faith. Because what you're saying, because I, I promise you this, there's always going to be more to do. So if you worked, if you had, you know, 
eight days a week. The reality is you'd be busy eight days a week. So when you take a day off as an act of faith, say, God, I'm going to take a day and I'm going to rest and I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to look at your beauty. I'm going to just, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to hang out with the family. I'm going to do, I do what, whatever it may be that is your rest. Maybe it's go for a run, I, whatever that is. I don't know. What you're saying is this, is God, I trust that if I will give you one day to rest and obey you, that you can do more with six days than you can with me trying to go crazy over seven days. It's an act of faith to saying, Lord, I give you my life. That's what it is. Rest is a stress buster because God created us for sleep and he created us to rest. Another way to overcome stress is Number three, seek for God's direction. The reason why I put this in here is because we always have decisions to make all the time. And this is a common source of stress for a lot of people. What do I do? I'm at a fork in the road. What do I do? What decision do I make? Do I take this job? Do I do this? And what we forget so many times is that God wants to help us through this journey. It's a very simple one, but I would guarantee you that many of us get in the middle of like, what do I say? What do I, what do, I do here? What do I say here? How, how do I approach the situation that we get so busy caught, caught up in trying to find a solution that we don't step back, time out, and say, Lord, what would you like me to do? Very simple. Ask God for direction. To stop and say, God, wait a minute. You're the God of the universe. You're all powerful. You're all knowing. You can be everywhere at once. What do you think I ought to do? God, I lack wisdom. I need some wisdom. And just by doing that, again, releases a sense of, 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 of stress. You feel stress leaving you because you realize, wait a minute, I, I have somebody who's a lot smarter than me, who's hanging out with me, who's my father. I'm going to ask him. James 1.5 says this, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So you say, God, I need wisdom. God, I pray, Lord, I read your word, and Lord, I'm just seeking you. I'm just going to wait for you. I'm going to ask you to give me an answer, and Lord, I'm going to trust your timing when you want to tell me what that answer is. Because most of the time we run into a situation, we need an answer. We say, hey, God, God, hey, 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 I need an answer now. And God's like, well, hi, it's really nice seeing you today. But God, God, I don't have time. I don't have time for a delay. I need an answer now. And that's why it's good to say, you know what, I don't have an answer, but I'm going to trust that God's going to give me the answer when I need the answer, and then I'm going to be able to move forward. And what, you, what we do is we're quiet, we listen, God uses people in our lives to pray with us over certain situations. That's why it's important you're in a small group, so you can say, hey, will you pray for me about this, that so they can strengthen you and help you along that journey. This is what asking and seeking God for direction is about. That's why David says in Psalm 23.3, he says, He, God, guides me along the right path for his name's sake. He guides me. As you stay close to God, as you seek God, as you live your life to please God, I promise you that he will make sure you get, you end up where you need to be when you need to be there. Because he's a good God. Another way of overcoming stress is remember you are not alone in your dark valley. You're not alone. David writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What I love about this passage is that David was a shepherd. And he's remembering his care for the sheep. He's remembering how he had 
had to use a rod and a staff to protect the sheep, to poke the sheep. He remembers, and he's like, Lord, I'm so grateful that even though I'm in the darkest place of my life, I can't even think of what to do, that you're here with me. That you're here to protect me. You're here to, to protect me from the wolves. You're here to get me moving when I need to be moving. Because I need you, God. I need you to meet me right where I'm at. God, I'm not going to be stressed out in this dark valley because you're my protector. Because you're helping me. And so, God, I'm going to trust you in these dark valleys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will not fear. Probably all of us in 2018 and probably 2019, we're going to walk through some valleys. We're going to walk through some things that are very, very difficult. Maybe you might be in the shadow of a valley right now. And that's the reality. Maybe it's, it's, it's a death and you're in the shadow of a death. You're, or you're in the shadow of, of debt. Or you're in the shadow of, you're in the valley of the shadow of conflict. Maybe in the valley of the shadow of depression or the valley of discouragement. And you're just in, in a valley. And maybe you're going through that valley. And here's, here's the reality. Shadows are scary. Do you remember as a kid is that you'd wake up in the middle of the night and you'd see a shadow. And man, that thing was huge. And then you'd realize after you turned the light on, it, it, the shadow was a lot greater than the actual thing of whatever was making the shadow. That's the same way in our lives. Shadows, they, they, they seem huge, but they, they, they do not represent really what's going on. Shadows are always bigger than the source. And the shadows make things bigger than what they really are. But here's the good news. Here's the good news about this is that no matter what, every shadow, there would not be a shadow if there wasn't a light. And without a light, we, we would have no direction in which way to walk. And this, the principle in, in this one is that the key that if you are in the middle of a shadow, find the light and watch the light. Keep your eyes on the light. And that light is Jesus Christ. Because as long as you keep your eyes on the light, the shadow can't scare me. Because you know, Jesus, you are with me. You are with me. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the great shepherd. He is with you. That's how you go through valleys. You keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you lower your stress. You remember, I am not alone in this. I feel alone, but there is a promise out of Psalm 23 that even though I walk through this pain, I am not alone. You are with me. Another way to deal with stress is number five, remember that God is your defender. This is an incredible life of David. Is that he suffered so much conflict. A major source of stress in our lives today is conflict. It's massive. Opposition, criticism, attacks. And here's the reality. There are people in your life who just don't like you for no good reason. That's just how it is. They're people you work with, people who, who criticize you, maybe out of jealousy, maybe out of fear. Maybe they're people in your own family who they don't let you enjoy anything. Something good happens to you, and they're like, yeah, but just wait a little bit. It's probably going to turn the wrong way later. They, no, no one can rejoice with you. They're always ragging on you. They're, they're always putting you down. They never have a positive word. People in our lives, they always have problems for every solution. <laughs> Negative, critical people. And that, that produces stress in us. 
They're always attacking you. And here's what happens. When that happens, the natural thing to react is, I'm going to get even. I'm going to criticize back. I'm going to retaliate. But when you get even with someone who's criticizing you, this is what happened. It puts you on the same level as them. And when you forgive them, it places you above them. But if you get even, you're no better than they are. And for us as believers, so many times you think, yeah, but they're critical. And they're not even apologetic. They're not even sorry. And, I, you know, I don't want to forgive them. Here's the reality. Many times, and please listen to me, we don't respond by grace to someone because they deserve it or because who they are. We respond because of who we are. We're from a family that acts differently. We're part of what's called God's family. We don't, we, we, don't, we don't act like the world acts. We don't pick up offenses like the world picks it up. Why? Because I'm part of a family where our core values is love one another. I'm not, why, why, why don't we respond like the world? Because we're not of the world. I'm from a family, no, 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 we, we don't gossip. No, sorry, I, I don't speak bad about people. I'm, I'm not suspicious of, of, of everybody in my life all the time. No, why? Because I'm from a different family. Because I belong to the, to the royal household. In other words, I act royally. There's something different about me. I don't find problems for every solution. I find solutions for every problem. I'm, a part, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your best cheerleader. I want you to succeed. And so instead of me getting all huffy, puffy, and pitching fits like a four-year-old, what I do is I pull myself up. I say, listen, I am from God's house. I sit around God's table. He calls me his son, and I'm going to act like one. I'm going to represent him when I interact with you. It's not about who people are. It's about who you are. And if you will act like that, it will be a game changer for you and your family. This is what I've learned in our, in our society. Today, our civilization, we are losing our, our, our civility. I mean, people are getting more rude and more crude and more just crazy. This is what I've learned. Small people make people feel small. That's what they do. Always trying to pull them down. Great people make people feel great. So after a conversation with you, do people feel small or do they feel great? And so when someone's always belittling you, remember, they're just revealing the smallness of their heart. I'm going to give you a key for dealing with rude, critical people. You ready? This is it. How do you do it? You don't. <laughs> Billy Graham said this. He said, uh, see if I can get this right. He said, uh, I, oh, he says, if you confront someone who's opposing you and being critical of you, it's like wrestling a pig in the mud and only one of you is going to enjoy it. You let God be your defender. That's how you do it. David's a pro at this. David had been running for his life. He was anointed king. He'd been attacked emotionally. He'd been attacked verbally. 
He had false accusations made against him. In the story of King David is a young man anointed by Samuel, God's prophet. He's going to be the next king of Israel. But it was done in secret. Nobody knew about it. David, David, David knew it. His family knew it. And he knew that, that God had called him to be king. Then for the next, I believe it was probably 13 to 15 years, he wasn't king. By the time he was anointed, the time he took rule was many, many years. The better part of much, much of his life, he spent running from the first king, Saul, who wanted to kill him. Wanted to take his life. He's in David's hiding in caves. He's, he's being falsely accused. He's being demeaned. He keeps being put down. Rumors are being told about him. Everything he does, people think he's doing it for this or for that. Constantly criticized. And you know what? He never says a bad word about Saul. Not once. Why? Because he wasn't like Saul. Because he was from a different house. He was from God's house, not Saul's house. He was from God's house, not the world's house. He wouldn't attack back. He wouldn't retaliate. He only spoke well. And he trusted that God would sort out Saul. God was preparing David to be a man or to be a king after his own heart. And here when David is running for life, for his life, here as David is facing accusations, David's facing all kinds of things. He writes out of Psalm 23. He says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, God, you give me a home. You give me a place of peace. You give me a place of comfort. When everyone else is out to get me and speaking against me and falsely accusing me and, and trying to kill me, when all these things are happening to me, God, you bring, you bring the house to me wherever I am. And you say, son, sit down. I've, I've laid a table before you. And you anoint my head with oil and, and my cup overflows. And, and this whole word, this word here, anoint my head with oil, it's not a spiritual thing. It's a Greek word. It's, it's another word called elepho, which means this, that, that you, you meet the physical needs. It's much like when David arose after Bathsheba's son died. And he rose and he says that he, he, he anointed himself with oil. It means this, that he just, he put oil on his dry skin. He met his physical needs. He, he put lotion on is what he did. And he says, you anoint my head with oil. In other words, you take care of me physically and my cup overflows. You're so good to me, God. That's what he's saying. In the presence of my enemies. Because God, I have a great trust and great hope. Which leads us to our sixth one that God, you're going to finish what you started in me. You're going to finish it. I don't have to fight for it. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to. Listen, God, you're my, you're my father. You lead me. And God had promised he'd finish the work. And that's why when David, right after, right after verse 5, in the, he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He also looks up to the promise of God and he says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. All the days and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely your goodness, because God right now doesn't feel like it's your goodness, but I know your goodness is going to follow me. Your love's going to follow me. I'm going to dwell in your house forever. And this is how we are to deal with stress and the stressful world, the things we're going through, the things that, that demand on our lives. As we say, God, you're my shepherd. This is about trust. 
This, is a, this isn't about circumstances. This is about trusting God in your circumstances. It's about behaving and being from who you are, not who someone else is. It's about you representing who God is. It's about you trusting that God's going God's to complete this in my, in my life. God honors faith. He honors people who say, God, things don't look very good right now, but I'm going to trust you that you're working things out. God, I'm going to trust you that, that you're going you're to take care of whatever's going on. God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to silence the voice of the critical. God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you that you're going to provide for me financially. Why? Because you're a good shepherd. You're my defender. God, I'm sitting at a table. I'm eating with you. And here, here David is surrounded by enemies around him. And God says, hey, son, pull up a chair. Let's talk. And he sits down. And in my mind, God said, hey, hey son, son look, look, look at me. You see all these enemies around you? Yes, I see them. I got it. Have something to eat. And so it's this piece of, you're right, God. Trust you. And that's a journey that God wants us to go on this year. What areas of your life are you lacking trust? What areas of your life are you needing to say, Lord, will you give me direction and show me what to do? What areas of your life that Maybe you're doubting that God's not going to finish what he started. And say, Lord, I know you're going to finish what you started. Lord, what areas of my life do you want to, am I, am I control, why am I such a control freak, God? That I got I to control everything in my life and everybody and make sure, Lord, I trust you. You're a good shepherd. You're going to work it out. That removes stress. And it puts God at the, in the center of our lives where he needs to be. We're not looking to people to meet our needs. We're, not looking, we're looking to him. And when we do that, the robes and the weight of stress can fall off. And we can continue to move forward and be physically healthy and be what God's called us to be. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.